0: Welcome to Pop the Question, a podcast that exists at the intersection of pop culture and academia. We sit down and talk about our favorite stuff through the lenses of what we do and who we are. From Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University, Dr. Melinda Lewis here. I'm your host.
1: Hi, Josh. Hey, Melinda you ready to party?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready.
1: I know that you teach courses regarding life and meaning and value. Just, you know, some like really light topics. (laughs) Uh, So when did you realize that life is for you? Like the meaning (laughs) and value of life itself?
2: I guess somewhere in high school, although the funny thing was, you know, I started in college and I was like, pretty sure I was going to major in business. And I started down that track and then uh, sort of stumbled on both a philosophy and religion course. And so I think in a lot of ways, college really sort of reoriented me. You know, I, I have sort of come to embrace Sitting with some of the questions.
1: Well, how do you do that without completely being overwhelmed? I always love the idea of philosophy. But then when I dive into the literature, at some point, I have to throw it across the room because it's like I can't even conceptualize living in a simulacra like this is too much. For me to contemplate right now.
2: One thing I would sort of caution at the outset is that if you really find yourself sensitive to the act of living life or, you know, wanting to sort of get a better sense of what actually is going on, why do we all get up in the morning? Who knows? I don't know that philosophy is the most direct path. <laughs> you know, It seems like a natural. So you sort of take a few steps down that path and then all of a sudden it wants to throw you a hard left down a sort of mathematical path or a hard right down like a pure logic. And then you just sort of end up fighting with people. And uh, I I teach a class called Meaning of Life, and it's a meaning of life and designing a purposeful life. So it's sort of like the issue of infinite versus finite, the issue of God versus not God. There are a lot of sort of hinging points that historically, if you get into this conversation from a philosophical vantage point, you end up debating these. Mm. So I don't know that those points actually deepen any of the students (laughs) appreciation of the question, which is why we also sort of, fill in with films and we and i like to use like pop culture films like the matrix and you know (laughs) stuff like that because honestly i think that stuff actually pierces a lot more in terms of like how much choice do i actually have and what are the important values can you feel it mr anderson closing in on you oh i can I really should thank you for it. After
0: all, it was your life that taught me the purpose of all life. The purpose of life is to end.
1: I think it also creates something that's more concrete when thinking about the abstract. But The Matrix, I think, is a really good example. And I think another film that comes up for for people within college is Fight Club Mm -hmm. and thinking about, like, Value and meaning, and capitalism, and what does it mean to exist? What does it mean to have like identity, and then all the other fun stuff about like masculinity?
0: Do you know what a duvet is? Comfort. It's a blanket. Just a blanket. Now, why do guys like you and I know what a duvet is? Is this essential to our survival in the hunter-gatherer sense of the word? No. What are we then? Consumers. Right. We are consumers are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. What concerns me are celebrity magazines, television with 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear. I say, never be complete. I say, stop being perfect.
2: I say, let, let's evolve, let the chips fall where they may. And it's interesting how most of the students on day one assume that happiness is like the centerpiece of everything. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is very, very, very few films actually demonstrate that in any meaningful way. There's always like this sort of they lived happily ever after, but that's when the movie stops, right? Because it's no longer that interesting and probably no longer that meaningful on some level. But they definitely create some more room for like uncomfortable growth Mm -hmm. or character building, you know, and and a lot of stuff, like a lot of films that end up on these lists are not happy films, you know, they're like Slumdog Millionaire or something where, you know, you sort of see what looks like a hellscape for I don't know what percentage of the world and, you know, trying to sort of just barely jump from one burning flat platform to the next burning platform and and just try to make it through and, and then try to at some point take some stock of what's going on here
0: guy from the slums becomes a millionaire overnight.
2: I'm not going to become a millionaire. I don't know the answer. <laughs> You've said that before, yeah? No, really, this time I don't.
0: Come on, you can't take the money and run now. You're on the edge of history, kid. I don't see what else I can do. Maybe it's written, my friend. You're going to win.
1: I think it's valuable to talk about like, whether or not like, there is meaning or whether we're just on this like, rock floating. But at the same time, it's hard to want to end a class on that note. And be <laughs> right. like, all right, well, we're done here. Good luck with the rest of your life. This class <laughs> is over. The final is done.
0: Is it really so hard to believe? Your appearance now is what we call residual self-image. It is the mental projection of your digital self. This isn't real. What is real? How do you define real?
1: Do you have any like others that you use in your class beyond Slumdog and the Matrix?
2: Yeah, there's one about this woman who walked the Pacific Trail.
1: Is it wild?
2: Wild, yeah. That was actually a sleeper pick that there's sort of like an, an ending, I don't know, like soliloquy or something where she sort of just distills her experience and That film, I think, was really moving, and it touched a lot of people in the class.
0: After I lost myself in the wilderness of my grief, I found my own way out of the woods. I didn't even know where I was going until I got there on the last day of my hike. Thank you, I thought over and over again, for everything the trail had taught me and everything I couldn't yet know.
2: Precious was much more complicated. It's incredibly insightful on, on several different levels of just sort of human coping power and finding meaning and finding sort of normalcy and just losing it. Nobody loves me. People do love you, Precious. Please don't lie to me, Miss Rain. Love ain't done nothing for me. That wasn't love, Precious. Meaning of life stuff is not always positive. And I think, I think it's probably important to be tracking the hellscape that a lot of people live in and how they're still coping and trying to win their way through it and um, find meaning and grab onto important things. You know, these sort of like middle class triumphant go out and be somebody kind of films sort of miss the boat on the world a lot of people live in. You know, another one that, that the students really love was Amelie.
1: Oh, yeah. I love Amelie. Yeah.
2: And it was really interesting because like a lot of the books that are a lot of the films that get touted as like the great meaning of life films and books are really dramatic. And I think the way she sort of makes mundane daily life interesting and, and just like ha- it's really about her sort of approach to life and just zest for life. A lot of the students really identified with that. Voilà. Maintenant, on est devant le petit kiosque à journaux, juste à l'entrée du métro. Et moi, je vous laisse ici. Au revoir.
1: Hey, it's your mom. I have a question about that podcast you do. Are you on the Instagram or the Twitter or the Facebook? You know, like, if I have an idea for a podcast, how do I get in touch with you? Love you.
0: Bye. Sup, Mom? Uh, yeah. So you can find us on all those things, actually. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just go to Pop Quest Pod on any one of those and follow. If you want to send us ideas, you can either go over to our website and leave us a message at or or you can get us directly at popq at drexel.edu. You can actually find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, I can help set it up when I get home. But then you have to promise me to read and review. All right. Love you. Bye.
1: You know, another part of what I was thinking about, as you were saying, is that that double-edged sword of using film and media to create a fantasy, even if that fantasy is dark, especially if you're watching like Hollywood films. So like even if you're watching like a sad drama, usually there's some sort of gloss. It's never going to be as like hopeless as Schopenhauer. Like it'll always have some sort of gleam that, that requires some detangling to really talk about life. How do you start detangling yourself from these representations that are saying this is what life should be?
2: With that class, the focus on design your life, the way we sort of ease into like making this personal and making it relevant to your own decision making. To me, that's that's probably one of the most useful ways you can marshal this question, you know, as opposed to just sort of sitting back and thinking, what's the meaning of life for its own sake? Let's talk about it and think about it for a while. And then now you have to sort of use some of this thought to talk about how you're choosing A over B in your own life. How does this actually get put to work in your own decision-making as opposed to sort of like just sitting on a rock philosophizing? So that's something that's kind of interesting in the class to just point out the fact that you can't always have your cake and eat it too. You know, like you have to figure out which one of these types of approaches to the question of the meaning of life are you going to... Privilege, you know, more than others. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I have my own natural bias that, like, the same as you, that's it would be kind of a bummer if people took the class and left it thinking, oh, there's no meaning. All right. I'll get back to my day job, you know. Uh, but I think it could be in some ways the way the class is structured. It could also be that the designing your life book we go to after the sort of meaning of life reader is very upbeat silicon valley hey i can do anything you can do anything you're smart i'm smart let's go do great things together and you know you have every possibility in the world and so designing your life really boils itself down to talk to people and try stuff Mm. and i think in terms of trying to find your way in the world one of the smartest things it has that it can say that i haven't seen in a lot of other places is don't spend too much time in your head what is
1: our
0: fate? Is there heaven and hell? Do we reincarnate? Is mankind evolving?
2: Or is it too late? Why well, tonight is the meaning of life? You are here, you are wherever you are, and you're trying to figure out stimulus in the world and, and whether you like it or don't like it or whether it's meaningful or not meaningful. So the best thing you can do is start getting data points, just take a step one way or another. And, and the way to take a step is to talk to people and try stuff. And, you know, if you want to aim off in a certain direction, like woodworking sounds interesting, then just start brainstorming what would be ways to try that. You know, and there's a million, there's a million ways to try that. Take a class, talk to someone you know who does it, you know, ask any of your friends if if they know anyone who does it watch YouTube videos. There's a million things you can do to sort of start down some path to try something or to to figure out whether you like it or not.
1: Yeah. And I think that idea of like putting together theory and praxis is so important of like, yeah, we can like sit and muse and ponder, but what are we doing if not kind of moving beyond that and putting it into practice? Um, and I'd like to continue that thread with like woodworking. How do you enter into that woodworking world? That's like... That's not like collecting baseball cards. That's like some serious
2: work work. That's a great question. So I guess I got lucky in the in the sense that I had a friend that the friend's father is a woodworker. He makes great stuff. And then his son has taken woodworking probably about as far as it goes. He's a luthier and makes violins and he's a close friend of ours. So I guess, you know, we've been around it a little bit and I think I also have a piece of me that that likes to sort of keep some foot in the physical world. I remember actually a philosophy teacher of mine told me about a philosophy teacher of his. He got this recommendation of always be doing something physical. And I think it's really good advice, particularly in things like philosophy and philosophy of religion. You can really get lost in, in the texts and in the books and you know, just kind of hang out in that theoretical space and lose touch with the physical world and other people and things like that. Yeah. And I had, I sort of lived on, I'd lived on a boat during grad school too. I think that had kind of broken the seal a little bit to learn how to fix it. I didn't grow up knowing how to do anything. I mean, make anything or fix anything or, so I guess I felt a little competent kind of, but not really. I'm not inherently a patient person. And I think uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do it is to build patience because I sort of recognize that it's not (laughs) a natural thing that comes to me. And, and it's funny because the guy I'm working with, I think he is fairly naturally patient. And I think, you know, he sees it in me and he's always sort of telling me to slow down. But I think, you know, one of the interesting things I noticed is um, sawing. I was hand sawing and he, you know, he was sort of showing me how to do dovetail joints. And it was it was sort of like I wasn't getting it. I was sawing too fast. I was like I was too interested in being done with sawing. <laughs> I could see him getting frustrated and he sort of stops. He's like, look. This is all you have to do right now. This is it. Stanley, see this? This is this. This ain't something else. This is this. From now on, you're on your own. That to me was like a sort of eye-opening moment of like, I'm doing this precisely because this is all I have to do right now. All I have to do is make this cut. Or all I have to do is sand this so that, you know, it all feels this way. You know, so there's something to that that I think started to become more and more obvious to me in this other class that I was teaching in the last term, which was about digital wellness and mindfulness. But, you know, a lot of the mindfulness literature is really just trying to dial in on that. Like, um, just do this, right? You're doing dishes. Just do the dishes. We read this text by Thich Nhat Hanh that, uh, like, sort of changed how I do dishes. So if, like, you know, it, it's not that complicated to be mindful. Just don't do two things at once, you know, like... <laughs> Don't do the dishes while you're thinking about what else has to happen that day. I'll do the dishes.
1: done, man. Queens them down to the
2: shot. So I think for me, that's the draw. I think the draw is the sort of, mindfulness aspect the you know the sort of creating making something with your hands and also wood itself to me is like really beautiful and feels really nice and smells nice and for me there's a lot of aspects of it that have been really rewarding and then also once you make something it just sort of you know for right now it kind of goes in our house we have so much ikea junk to replace <laughs> that uh, i get to see it all the time and i get to touch it and i get to walk past it and, there's something that sort of lingers too that's that's really, you know, feels rewarding.
1: Yeah, it really does feel like an embodiment of all the things that we've talked about thus far of just like stepping back, of evaluating, of doing, of enacting. But if you had to like offer like one solid final word, one bit of advice, what would it be?
2: So talk to people and try stuff, I think is one piece of it. And then I think the other piece of it is sort of the mindfulness piece of like, Check in with yourself along the way, like, you know, if you can experiment with a meditation practice or journaling practice where you have some sense of whether on a deeper level things are working or not working so that you would be able to kind of marry that up on a deeper level with the talking to people and trying stuff. And I should add a caveat that I give myself like a five out of 10 on both of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: Well, I've taken a lot of notes. So thanks a lot for providing me my own framework. I feel like I've cheated my way into taking this class without auditing this class. And I'm really excited to have these points
0: to explore.
2: So yeah. Thanks so much, Josh. This was really great. Thanks for having me, Melinda. This was a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: take care. See ya. Pop. The question was researched and hosted by Dr. Melinda Lewis. Our theme music and episodes are produced by Brian cantoric with additional audio production by Noah Levine. All of this was done under the directorship of Erica Levy Zellinger, the deanship of Dr. Paula Morans Cohen, and the Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University.
2: I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. What are w'e talking about practice, man. What are we talking about?